When Damon Albarn and Jamie Hewlett first met in 1990, they didn't like each other. Hewlett was interviewing Albarn's band Blur. He was the creator of a popular comic strip called Tank Girl, and he was doing the interview as a favour for the magazine he worked for. And as Hewlett put it, he thought Albarn was arsy and a bit of a wanker. But despite not getting along that well, in 1997 they moved in together to a West London flat. Both recuperating from the end of long-term relationships, the pair sat on the couch together watching MTV until the early hours of the morning and they were disgusted by what they saw. As Hewlett would go on to say, if you watch MTV for too long, it's a bit like hell. There's nothing of substance there. The boy band explosion of the late 90s had just started, and every musical act seemed incredibly fake and manufactured to them. But the thought occurred to Albarn, what if we made a manufactured band and make it kind of interesting? The virtual band Gorillaz was born, and following a successful self-titled album in 2001, they set out to prove it wasn't just a gimmick. Hewlett said about the second album, If you do it again, it's no longer a gimmick, and if it works, then we've proved a point. And so, to prove a point, Albarn and Hewlett released Demon Days on the 11th of May 2005. It's gone platinum in multiple countries, selling over 8 million copies worldwide, and it picked up a Grammy Award along the way. But, as it turns out, Demon Days wasn't the only album released that week. Reigning WWE Champion John Cena released his debut and only album, You Can't See Me, the day prior, and inexplicably managed to sell over a million copies. How do these two albums measure up 15 years later? How many pro wrestling references can I squeeze into an episode? And which of these two artists are more two-dimensional? Let's find out. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to the When Albums Collide podcast, Judd Boaz with you, joined by my co-host Pedro Duran. Pedro, how are things? Uh, they're, they're good, Judd. Um, I don't know if uh, anyone in, in Melbourne is listening, but uh, we are no longer uh, under curfews. We can actually go outside of our houses past 8pm, which is which is super nice. Um, but I don't know about you, I've been indoctrinated already, because the other day I was here and I was like... I, I told myself I couldn't leave the house even after the curfew was lifted. So I'm just been quarantined in my own house under my own uh, <laughs> my own will. Yeah, man, I'm exactly the same. 8.30 rolls around. I've got my warm milk already. I'm watching a rerun of Jag and I'm ready to go to bed, you know? Yeah. Today, we have some very interesting albums. Some albums I know quite a bit about, but we need a little bit of extra help. Who have we enlisted today? Pedro? Yes, we have New York comedian. Um, he had a number one comedy album on itunes definitely everyone check that out it's called king latifah it's it's great it's great it's amazing um very successful very funny comedian and also uh the greatest brother in the world my brother christian duran chris say hi ah shucks hey how's it going uh everyone uh my name is christian duran it's nice to meet you nice to see you nice to be here I'm very excited about this episode in particular, and I'm sure Judd will tell us why in a second. Uh, So, Christian, how has life been? What have you been doing for, oh, I don't know, the past nine months or so? Oh, so much of nothing. So much of nothing. Sitting around, uh, laying around in my underwear under a pile of bacon trying to eat my way out. That's pretty much life in quarantine. Uh, No, it's been okay. We're watching our country crumble um, on TV every week, which is always good. Um, <laughs> we just had our debates. I don't know if you guys uh, heard yeah, about it. I saw them, <laughs> which was kind of a mess. Uh, it was really, it was really pretty insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are good. The uh, Oregon's on fire. Um, you know, buildings are being demolished and, uh, it's fine. Everything's good. Everything's nobody's I'm fine. Who are you? Did you pick up any, any party tricks during the lockdown? Absolutely. I've been making sourdough bread, which is actually true. Hell yeah. Welcome. Well, I, there's some. There's got to be some money under the table from Big Sourdough, yeah. right? To get everyone to secretly <laughs> be doing this. That's really it. Like the, Sourdough has never been in a more financially stable position than now. Sourdough is loving lockdown. It certainly is. And I've made my own bread. I've made my own cheese. I'm slowly turning into an Amish woman. It's, <laughs> it's pretty good. I just need... The, 
Just need a beard and I will be ready to go to uh, Pennsylvania. Today's albums. We are talking Gorillas, Demon Days, and John Cena's You Can't See Me. They came out one day apart in 2005. Christian, what do you know about Gorillas and what do you know about John Cena? Well, one, I mean, I listened to both these albums and I got to say, one album is from is like this really interesting artistic experiment and the other is gorillas <laughs> uh, <laughs> no i'm a big wwe fan so i never heard this album I, I i haven't if you're if you're a wrestling fan at all you've definitely heard the the first track um gorillas i actually thought this is their first album because i kind of remember hearing the first album from 2001 but i i listen to this and realize it was like their second or third maybe i because i i wasn't too familiar with this one but i i'm very familiar with um gorillas i just remember seeing them in like in high school and being like oh my god like this is like a cartoon band like what is this um so it was nice to revisit this album um and uh it was awesome hearing the john cena album i have a lot of thoughts about that pedro how do you know john cena and how do you know gorillas yeah well uh i know john cena obviously from from pro wrestling and things like that um and i just knew him as you guys correct me if i'm wrong when he was introduced he was just kind of like that white rapper stereotype and i think maybe in the beginning it could have it was like maybe a joke but he eventually became wwe champion and he is kind of like uh one of those hall of famers or one of those massive massive superstars in in the world of wrestling then as far as gorillas yeah it was um you know i, I listened to a lot of music and i heard their band uh their, their song feel good in, in, incorporated and I was like, oh, that's an interesting video. And then when I was doing my research, I mean, not, you know, back in the day, I was like, oh, they're an animated band. They're kind of like made up. I don't know how I feel about that. And especially when we listen to this album, I, oh, we'll get into it. I'm going to give them uh, uh, kind of negative points about that. But um, I've, I think I've only had heard really two songs and there's those massive songs that were on the radio so um it was uh, interesting to listen to this album today as you know pedro i know more about professional wrestling than anyone in the southern hemisphere and don't at me <laughs> don't come at me because uh, it's true like it's true you know when like everyone else was in high school everyone else was going to parties and having sexual intercourse uh, I was watching WrestleMania 21 on DVD uh, for the 40th time. So that's what that's what I was doing. That's where I'm from. That's a little bit about me. And Gorillaz, I just always liked them. I, I know this album quite well, Demon Days. I listened to it a lot as a, as a teen. But it's very interesting, this episode, because we have a virtual band of cartoon characters versus a guy who plays a cartoon character for a living. Right off the bat, if you just look at the, these two albums side to side... You've got an all-star cast for Gorillas. You know, you've got MF Doom, Della Souls on it, Nana Cherry, you've got Danger Mouse producing. On John Cena's album, you have a motley crew of literally nobody, and they're trying to patchwork this album together and try to treat it seriously. So a little bit of backstory here, and this is off the top of my head, I didn't write any notes on this, <laughs> but from memory, John Cena debuts with the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment in 2002. And early on, his character is what we would call in the business a white meat babyface, which is just a dude with muscles that has no character. He's just like a boring white guy, which is a death sentence in professional wrestling. If you don't have a character, people can't relate to you, you're going to get fired. At, and he was very close to getting at fired. At that point, as a matter of fact, at that point, his character was just a guy who comes out with the shorts, match, the shorts matching the sports color team, basically. A complete death sentence. Yeah. This guy was on the unemployment line, right? So they're about to fire him, and there's a Halloween episode of the WWE, and everyone comes in a costume, and he comes dressed as Vanilla Ice, like a rapper. I know it's been a blast. Came out the locker room, stole Rey Mysterio's mask, tried to get Taker's cast, but it was plastered on too tight. Beast, I gotta go about the hot wires bike. And he's doing all these like raps on TV, and it's really corny, but it's funny, and people connect with it. So they say, well, why don't you just do that all the time? Just be a rapper. And so for the next two to three years, he becomes this rapper character, John Cena, the doctor of thugonomics. And he records his own theme music, and he's like a bad guy, and everyone hates him. Word life, this is basic thugonomics. This is basic thugonomics. Word life. Eventually, he gets really popular. And April 2005, I'm going to guess, WrestleMania 21, John Cena wins the WWE title. And so they're giving him what we call a push. They're, they're you know, promoting him. And they decide, well, you know, you're doing this rap character. Why don't we just make it an album and sell it? Wrestling fans are dumb. They'll buy it. They'll eat it up. 
And boy, did we. Never underestimate the ability of wrestling fans to pay for and sit through something that is fucking awful just because it's wrestling-based. We supported The Rock through those bleak early movie years. I own The Scorpion King on DVD. (laughs) I have all of Mick Foley's autobiographies, even the shit one from 2007. I paid 2,000 yen for a beer at an obscure Japanese wrestler's bar in Tokyo. I've been there, man. I've been there. And John Cena is this album... You Can't See Me is just the the tip of the iceberg for what wrestling fans are willing to sit through. Let's go into it track by track. The first song off Gorilla's album is actually an intro, a little bit of an intro to give you a taste of what's coming into the album, and then you have Last Living Souls, Really simple drum beat coming in and some some grungy guitar and then the track builds and builds. What do you guys think of Last Living Souls? Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, right away, like that intro and then this song, it's all like very kind of atmospheric. And uh, it's actually, I wasn't really expecting that, honestly, because like I said, I was like familiar with the first album. I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of like them rapping and stuff, or there's going to be some rap and stuff, but it was kind of like uh, more musical than I thought it was going to be. I really dug it. With the intro, um, I don't know. I like. I thought the intro was a, a pretty forgettable. I didn't get anything from that. And then with Last Living Souls itself, I mean, we listened to a lot of albums for the podcast. Man, I wasn't really moved by it. I thought it had repetitive lyrics and the instrumental or the instrumentation didn't uh, do much for me. Um, it wasn't until he changes into that guitar solo when, and he starts singing in which I... I particularly started like liking the song but i like it it's sort of a hint of what we're going to get in that it's all over the place and the styles are all over the place and you're not just going to get one thing this is by blurs damon alban and he always wanted to make a hip-hop album but he thought well i'm in this like brit pop band no one's going to accept me a white guy making hip-hop funny funny (laughs) what we're comparing it to he decided i'll just do this this virtual band and so there is hip-hop elements but it's not traditional hip-hop in in the way we know it it's very alternative and there's more guitar maybe than we're used to and more electronic elements than we're used to but i really like this song in comparison to the first song on you can't see me by john cena the time is now john cena weighing in at 251 pounds from west newberry massachusetts the champ the leader of the chain gang, Big Match John, the doctor of thugonomics, the prototype, etc., etc. So if anyone that doesn't know, professional wrestlers, when they enter the, the room, anytime they enter any room, <laughs> any room whatsoever, <laughs> they have music that plays, entrance music, and it, it sort of fits their character, if that makes sense. A theme song. This is John Cena's theme. And so I think most wrestling fans in the past, I don't know, if you were born in the past 40 years, would be able to recite this verbatim. In the same way where if you ingest a very small amount of cyanide every day, you would become inured <laughs> to cyanide. Mm. Um, this It is much like this song. Just from the opening... <laughs> From MOP's Anti Up, like I know this song front to back, you know, brush your mouth with Colgate, etc., etc. Mm. What did you think of this song? They put their banger first. You, you know, they know where their bread's buttered. I mean, he, yeah, it's it's the quintessential John Cena song. It would it would be weird if uh, any other song started off. I guess just because like it, he's been using this song for almost like what 15, 20 years at this point. This is this will be the fifteenth yes, year since it's debut. Fifteen yeah. years. It's like. It's so ingrained in people's minds, wrestling fans' minds, that uh, you almost skip it the first time. But I listened to it the whole way through, and I was just like, "Wow, this is where it all started." I do the the horns on it kind of bum me out because they sound so like like Vince McMahon wouldn't pay for the sample, like the full sample, so they had to use like Fruity Loops horns a little bit. It is interesting because this is a very clear sample of MOP's Anti-Up, which samples other things, obviously, and they would go on to sue both Cena and the WWE and Sony BMG for $150,000 in damages for unlawful sampling, which they dropped two months later, probably because they got paid off by the company. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. I I thought either that or maybe like Vince McMahon sent... um, I don't know, the brood to MOP's house. <laughs> and then MOP was like, oh, fuck. They got vampires. This is uh, John yeah, this is John Cena's song, and it, it makes sense that they would open the album with his entrance song. 
I have a question for the both of you now. If you have to choose an entrance song for yourselves, um, what would it be? You know, for the longest time, I was actually, I would say, uh, it doesn't really fit me, but MOP's Annie Up is like the greatest song to come out to in the whole world. I mean, if you're a wrestler, that song's just going to get any crowd hyped up. Well, here's a nerdy fact about me. I used to be in an E-Fed when I was 12 years old where you you'd, <laughs> yes. you'd write like a character for yourself and then you'd all compete online on an internet forum. I don't know if kids know what that is today. Yeah. And so um, my character was Toyota Honda. He was a Japanese sumo wrestler and he came out to um, Kashmir by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, very nice. And wow. then when he turned heel, yeah. So th- that's that's what I would be. But in terms, of, I think I'd come out to um, Gangnam Style or something. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say here's a here's an even worse fact. I used to run an E-Fed back in the day. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. I was a commissioner. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started off as uh, as a you know probably as a baby face, and then everyone, the guy who was running it was like, I don't want to do it anymore. So we had a I, I, I staged the coup and became the commissioner of this E-Fed. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. What did you? What was your entrance music, man? I would just choose something scary, um, to something that would scare white middle America. I would choose DMX. What's my name? <laughs> like it doesn't fit yeah. me at all, but. I just, I just like yeah. even the beginning of it. Like you know, his DMX just barking. Yeah literally barking on the track and then it just comes in with those uh, haunting pianos so i think that'll be that'd be pretty good this is also the first appearance but certainly not the fucking least of mark the trademark predka because he is on literally every song on this album this is not a by the way this is not a john cena album if you're following along this is this is a john cena slash the trademark album well, who is the trademark? Nobody. Mark Predka is John Cena's cousin. His cousin had was a rapper, but he wasn't famous. So he's like, well, I'm a very famous professional wrestler. Why don't I just get you on the track? I'll help you out. You'll help me out because I can't really support an entire album by myself. Yeah. And thus the cycle of life continues. The beautiful dance continues. To describe him, he is a, a white rapper from Boston that sort of looks like if Pitbull had a less attractive, less talented little brother. <laughs> that's Pitbull. Mm. So uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying something there. Yeah, it's almost like, in a way, John Cena's Snoop Dogg and Warren G is trademark because <laughs> yeah. Snoop Dogg and Warren G are cousins, and that's how they came up together too. He's also on the next track, "Don't F with Us," F star star with us, uh, with some killer lyrics like "Time to get it straight." I push your wig back. Crew loaded up with extra bread like a Big Mac. Um, Fantastic. Not, not the best. What did you think of Don't F With Us? Well, the interesting thing about it is like right right away, there's cursing, which if you know John Cena now, especially, he's very PG. So this is like so weird to hear him uh, say fuck and like curse and all, all sorts of stuff. And it's like, oh, so he's going to be cursing this whole album, I guess. And that was really interesting. The thing that's interesting thing to me about this album though is that it's almost like a perfect time capsule of hip-hop in 2005 yes yes like just because it seems like john cena and the trademark like got a couple of albums and go this is a type of song that would be on a rap album this is also a type of song that would be on a rap album let's collect five of these and then also five like g unit songs and we'll have an album. The crazy thing about this album is it's 17 tracks. <laughs> Where does John Cena get off making a 65-minute album? Because Demon Days is much shorter. And at the end of Demon Days, I was like, you know what? I can listen to a little bit more of this. I don't mind too yeah. much. Fuck, I was done four songs into John Cena's album. The next song on Gorillaz, Demon Days, Kids With Guns. I really like this song. It's reminiscent of almost like a punk track. I'm thinking of a band like Wire or even The Clash could write a song like this. Kids with guns. Kids with guns. Really, another hint, this album is going to be very varied stylistically. Mm-hmm. Absolute pleasure to listen to. you got Nana Cherry on the vocals at the end. Big fan of her. Um, Buffalo Stance, if you haven't heard of. Stance, 
and Kids with Guns was inspired by a child at Damon Albarn's daughter's school who arrived one day with a knife. Oh, wow. He, like, wanted to show it to his friends at lunchtime, and he, he sort of used it to hint at the brutalization of a generation. By the way, did you have show and tell at your school? Uh, I think so. I don't remember. Is that a thing that, pe- that people do still? Uh- I think they stopped. Because kids because kept bringing guns, guns, yeah. guns and stuff? I think I remember doing it back in the day, but I couldn't imagine kids doing it nowadays because, if anything, it's probably like show and tell what you found on the internet you know, or um, a funny meme. You uh, know yeah, I mean? like, 100%. It'll be like everyone brings their own phone and then you show which OnlyFans account you subscribe to this week. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Any kids listening. <laughs> <laughs> show us at your, at your primary school. Uh, what did you think of Kids with Guns? It was really good. I, I kind of liked the vibe, man. I mean, I didn't realize it was. I mean, I guess I should have known from the title "Kids with Guns" that it was such about such a uh, you know rough subject. But like the vibe was like pretty chill, man. Like all these songs are very chill, and I really enjoyed listening to all this. I don't know if I had any like deep connection to everything, but I just as a passive listener, I was like, oh, this is nice. I think it's going to be um, another episode judd where you and i kind of disagree on on these albums last week it was black messiah this week i mean with um this gorillas album man i just man i uh, as chris was saying i wasn't really connecting with it until later into the album i thought kids with guns was kind of a boring track and, and maybe it's the whole thing because i know they're in like an animated band so maybe i'm knocking points off for that it's ironic comparing to John Cena because I would think I would say Gorillas is more of a gimmick than John Cena in a lot of ways. You know, these are real people though. I, I like, understand they actually they're, play yeah. the instrument. Like it's not actual. Culture. No, no, I understand that. I understand they're real people, but also when I think about animated bands, I'm also thinking about Alvin and the Chipmunks because there's real people singing that song too. <laughs> You know what I mean? (laughs) But they, for whatever reason, they decided to use animated characters as, um, as I guess the convoy for um, their, their music. I just, I was just like, all right, cool. So like I said, it's, it's not bad music. It's not annoying at all, but I just sometimes, and I think I mentioned it before, sometimes when um, some art is too abstract, I'm just kind of like, okay, I understand why a lot of people give it acclaim because it's just too artsy. And maybe for me, that's where uh, I, I kind of get lost. Totally understandable. I would say for this track and then the next track, O Green World, for me, the highlights are always Damon singing on it. Like it's, it's an all right song and then the bridge comes in and he'll vocalize and it just improves the song leaps and bounds. Um, but that's just for me, like this and O Green World. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, this one is like, this one's a pretty crazy song very like industrial sounding yeah it's like very glitchy at the start right yeah and then it, and then it turns it to like almost into an, like a almost like an of montreal song and then just goes crazy um i was listening to it just kind of like all right just in the background today and this was like one of my least favorite to be honest with you just because like that glitchy like mechanical sound i when when things get so experimental, I just go like, dude, fucking make a song, please. <laughs> Let's move on to John Cena's album <laughs> with Flow Easy featuring Bumpy Knuckles, the first of many appearances by Bumpy Knuckles, enlisted presumably to save this album <laughs> from a dumpster fire. What did you think of Flow Easy? By the way, I think, God bless him, Bumpy Knuckles is working overtime at the glue factory today just to try and make anything work on this album. Yeah, it seems like Bumpy Knuckles' agent was like, hey, I know you're going to say no, but let me tell you the offer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, And then he was like... Ah, people will probably buy this album. He's like, you can, we can probably parlay it into something else. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> Has he been on anything else? Is Bumpy Knuckles like known? Uh, he's like an underground artist. I think, but I think to his credit, I think he does wonderfully on this album. Yeah. He's the best thing about the album. I would say so, but I also would say uh, it's still not that great of an album. <laughs> Pedro, uh, what do you think of Bumpy Knuckles' impact on Flow Easy? Yeah, I thought he, I thought he was a good addition to that track. Um, with this song, it's the, it's, I mean, it, it seems like this is going to be the first of many, like you know, the click songs on here, where they got the whole crew coming out and rapping. The beat wasn't bad either. I thought the instrumental, the beat was kind of a dope 
freestyle kind of beat that you can throw on. Yeah, it's just, it's just, they're just, they have some funny metaphors and punchlines. Like, I think it was trademark that says, y'all talk more shit than pro lifers in abortion clinics. <laughs> oh, he's getting so political. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I just thought that was a very much of um, a lot of gymnastics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, for a, a rapper who isn't necessarily uh, a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or lyrically astute. So, um, yeah, but I thought it was a fine, fine track. You know, it's it's funny we mentioned that because I would say a lot of these lyrics are on the same level as Kevin Federline, uh, which I yeah. know is a big, which is a big thing to say, right? And we did get a Kevin Federline album, yeah. and that album sold how many copies? Like ten thousand, fifteen thousand? Yeah. I can't remember something, something. This album, "You Can't See Me" by John Cena, sold over a million units. Yeah, it went platinum. That's the dedication of wrestling fans and how dedicated we are to the people we love i was gonna ask did the rock put out an album or because i remember he had like a number one hit at one point like with it doesn't matter that was more of a, it was like more of a spoken uh, word effort yeah but that was with white club john too i think he was on the hook of that i mean you said this this album didn't appeal to you as much pedro but you know, Demon Days only sold 8 million copies worldwide right. or something. I don't think You Can't See Me is even an eighth as good as Demon <laughs> Days. Not even like a 32nd as good as Demon Days. I have no idea how this sold 1.3 million copies. It did not deserve it, especially with the next track. Now, the the sample on the next track is fine. It's LTDs Now uh, on Right Now. <laughs> But the production on this is obviously going to be no contest because you have Damon Albarn coming off Blur in the 90s, one of the biggest bands of the 90s. He's wildly successful there. The first Gorillaz album comes out. That's also wildly successful. He has his pick of anyone he wants to do the production. And he chooses Danger Mouse, who, I don't know if you've heard, uh, the Grey album he did? Yeah. Yeah. The Grey album being the mashup between uh, the Beatles' White album and Jay-Z's Black album. Amazing, by the way. I really like that album. But this is Danger Mouse before he does Niles Barkley with CeeLo Green, and they do Crazy and all that sort of thing. Who do WWE pick? They pick a guy called Jake One, <laughs> who is just some dude. Just some dude to produce these tracks. And it's fine. Yeah. It's not bad. But in terms of production, I'll put it this way. Damon Albarn can have anyone in the music world he so chooses, and he decides to choose, you know, Danger Mouse. And John Cena can get his cousin and a couple of people hanging out the front of a Kmart. That's who Mm. he chooses for his album. And it's the best they can do with the limited personnel, and the production is non-offensive, just heavily, heavily dated. Whereas Demon Days, you know, I don't think that's dated at all. You know, that sounds quite modern to me. This is smack dab in 2005, and it's never left. Yeah, I would have to agree. And it's another thing where if you if you listen to anybody from uh, WWE, whenever they do like interviews outside of character, they always say, we have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And I think that's what they were doing with uh, <laughs> that album. It's just, I think someone said, hey, John, you should put out a, a rap album. We're going to do a rap album. And he's like, what? He's like, it's due Tuesday. And he goes, oh, shit. Let me get my cousin and uh, his. Do you know anybody who does production? And then they they got that and they reached out to uh, Bumpy Knuckles. And I think the album was done within a week. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, maybe I like to think on the positive. Maybe John Cena is just keeping it back to his roots in the hood. You know what I mean? That's true. Maybe he's giving his his cousin a payday. <laughs> he came. He went back to the 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 hard streets of uh, Newberry, West Newberry, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, is it a hard Which place to grow up? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, and then he, yeah, he went to the the tough streets, and then he was like, I, and th- this would be a great inside joke for for Christian. He just said, "Hey, man, this rap shit's starting to pay off." <laughs> <laughs> the brilliant. I still tell people that that story to this day. Should I tell? Should we tell it? Yeah, yeah. Go yeah, ahead, please. Uh, all right. Basically, I when when I was going to university, I lived in this uh, apartment. That was too small for as for the amount of guys that were living there, and we used to have like one or two guys coming out of rotation. You know what I mean? Just like until they just couldn't pay rent, and we had to kick them out eventually. And there was this guy named uh, Sean, but he he his like his street name or his hood name or whatever he would go by Troopa. And Sean was uh, a very 
he was a rich kid basically his like his family had money and stuff but he would always try to downplay it to give himself more uh street credibility he ended up in a car accident where um his Escalade went over a ramp or something and somebody hit him and he got a big payout. He wasn't hurt, but he got a massive payout for that. And so every month he was getting like thousands of dollars or whatever. So what he would do is just take out the money and walk around with big stacks of cash on him. And Christian and I were in one room and he was in another room and he had his friends over or whatever he was just flashing his money or whatever. And his friends were like, yo, trooper, like, yo, how do you, how do you get all this money and stuff like that? And without missing a beat, this dude says, you know what, man, this rap shit's really paying off. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on to say, he goes on to say, he goes, and you guys, you know, if you stick with me, all my dogs get to eat too. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah. So when I, got, a car when, accident. when I got my first check from stand up, I think it was like 25 bucks or like 75 bucks or something. I texted a picture to my brother. I was like, yo, this comedy shit's really working out. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's take a pause for the cause. We'll be back with more when albums collide after this. Hey everyone, Steve here from Play Your Pods Right. Do you like game shows? Do you like weird 90s nostalgia that only a select few of us will ever understand? Then why not join me and my best mate Simon as every Wednesday we take a deep dive into that weird and wonderful world of the 90s game show. From Cluedo to Gladiators to Crystal Maze, hell, even all the best works of Bruce Forsyth. That's right, Brucey himself. So it's nice to see you to see you nice every Wednesday for Player Pods Right on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts and a whole host of other providers. Take care, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are reviewing John Cena's You Can't See Me and Gorilla's Demon Days with Pedro Duran and brother Christian Duran. Uh, the next song, all right, finally, after how many songs we've climbed through, we actually get to a, a real uh, rapper performs on the next song, which I'm so thrilled about. Dirty Harry. Um, it's got kids singing in the vocal hook that are from the San Fernandez Youth Choir. One of the few times I can remember in recent history where I don't hate the sound of kids on an album, because <laughs> I fucking hate kids on yeah. music, man. But this is actually not bad. The song, this song fucking rocks, man. The transition is amazing when, when the instrumentation comes in. It's a lovely little link up to their hit song, Clint Eastwood, because it's called mm. Dirty Harry. And the laughs at the end of this song also sort of foreshadow what's going to come later on in the album. You got Booty Brown from Farside on this with a killer verse, especially the last two lines where he's like... So he can That always, I'm like, I hear that, it's party time, it's go time for me. Uh, I really like the song, Dirty Harry, obviously. This is what I was looking for throughout the whole, this is what I thought I was going to get during this album. Uh, When I first put it on, I didn't realize it was going to be like a little more experimental, a little like kind of all over the place. But um, yeah, I really like this one a lot. Like, Yeah, so for myself, this is where the album turns and this is where I start getting into it. um, I just remember this song being played, um, you know, when it was out. Um, I don't know. Did you did you guys get a kind of a Rage Against the Machine type of vibe from uh, Dirty Harry as well? Because I did. Because it's a very like political song, right? Because yeah. Booty Brown is rapping from the perspective of a soldier that's been like conscripted yeah. to fight, and it has a little bit of distortion in his vocals, right? If I'm not, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But this I like, and I like the kind of the low key. Um, sound of it yeah i was feeling this and then as we go for as we go forward you're gonna see like this is where the album turns and this is when i start really appreciating the music so it's certainly more hip-hop than before but i think like i think if they did an entire album of this of guest rappers over just beats i think it would get a bit tiresome over mm. the course of the album so i'm personally i like the experimental stuff i wish they had gone further with it because this is still a pop album Right. Like, you know, it's still sold 8 million copies, so it's not, you know, some crazy, really alternative thing. But I will say, all the rappers they got on 
are sort of more underground rappers or rappers mm-hmm. that aren't talked about as much. Whereas John Cena also has underground rappers, like the trademark, but that's because he couldn't afford anyone better, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if John Cena had as much money, he would get like 50 Cent to do a verse, or he'd get the game to do a verse Bro, or something, as right? we go on with this album, he doesn't need 50 Cent on the album because he becomes 50 Cent on the album. <laughs> he really does. After a while, it just becomes like... He like basically does a Lloyd Banks hook. Yeah. At, at one point. Yeah, it's like, crazy. It really does become like a fifty cent throwaway album. Yeah, definitely. Let's cover the next song. So I mentioned there's laughs at the end of this song, and it leads into the big single, which is Feel Good Inc. Still holds up. I'm just gonna say it. Phenomenal song. And as I mentioned, this is a mainstream album, hence why this song was nominated for three Grammys, and Della Soul finally picked one up for best pop collaboration, which is good to see them get some uh, recognition. They have a another phenomenal verse on this, awesome verse. Uh, Feel Good Inc., I'm sure everyone, if you've been alive in the past 15 years, has heard it. Um, great song. Absolutely. This is, I mean, this was the song, I actually thought this was on their first album, but then I realized, like, oh, that I was thinking of, like, Clint Eastwood, but then once I heard this, you immediately know what it is. Everybody's heard this song. It's You almost um, underrate it because you've heard it so many times. It's one of those songs that's so good that you forget how good it is because it's so ubiquitous. Um, you give it a little less credit than it deserves, but it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I remember I used to work part-time at a bowling alley in Alice Springs called The Dust Bowl. And mm-hmm. when this song came out, they would play it over the music speakers. And I was like enamored with it. I couldn't believe how good this song was. I'd be hanging out just to hear it again. Because like this song, it was a revelation back then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah this is a massive song. It's a fun song. Instrumentation is done very well. Composition is done very well. And it, uh, the name the name fits if it's a it's a feel good song if there's a such a thing as a feel bad song it's probably the next one make it loud <laughs> uh and i got a shoot little popski from a cameo appearance at the start by taz who people may know as the human suplex machine who wrestled in the hardcore 1990s promotion ecw extreme championship wrestling and that's where my compliments for this track will end it is a beat that is <laughs> nauseating in its mediocrity and it's broken up by these fake crowd noises that suck um i hated the song yeah it's uh it's it's not good (laughs) this is also like feels like he's trying to like oh shit i should probably do a wrestling song a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, this was like oh when i finally get out of wrestling i could do this song in arenas and people go crazy for it did you have anything else (laughs) it's fucking shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought this would be like the second tier entrance song like if that first one didn't work out for whatever reason like this would be the the backup just another braggadocious song it's him like make it loud make it loud and you have crowd noises in the back i i I can definitely see that they might consider this for his entrance music because he has lines like you know not double or seven but we die another day which is very mediocre rapping skill <laughs> but also he goes he goes you know i'm the guy who's too raw for your monday night a reference to professional wrestling there so totally skippable track on this uh on the cena album i will say we're we're sh- shitting on this tr- album a lot <laughs> and maybe deservedly so but also let's not forget like he did come out with an album yeah <laughs> like he wrote 17 tracks a dude who's not really a rapper wrote 17 full tracks. Did he really- though? I mean, did maybe <laughs> the trademark help a little bit? And let, let's not get it, let's not get it twisted. This is this album is entirely a promotional vehicle for the WWE. Okay, to the point where like. If you go on a streaming platform, the title of the album is WWE, colon, you can't see me, John Cena. The album cover is just a picture of the WWE title with a big WWE logo on it. It goes to show, because he never released another one. After 2005, he slowly starts to drop the rapper gimmick. He's no longer a rapper character. He then does a movie called The Marine, and so his character becomes where he pretends to be a Marine. So generally, his character is whatever they need him to be. He is a sort of talentless muscle-bound robot that just does what the company says um oh by the way i don't think he's a good wrestler he's a horrible wrestler but regardless of that fact this is a promotional tool it's not for any artistic merit he just happens to be helping his cousin who is a rapper honestly if he had a character that was a like a jazz flute musician they would do a jazz flute (laughs) album right if he it like they would do anything to sell more records and promote the wrestling company 
I I gotta say I disagree. I I think he's a good wrestler, especially with his last run, the last like. Four well, or five years. you know, we can agree to disagree. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a different podcast, man. Um, the next song, just another day, actually pretty decent, I thought, by two thousand, even by two thousand five standards, because it's a throwback to the nineties. Hence, so it, it doesn't sound as dated. Because uh, they're trying to go for a retro sound, and it's a song comparing the fame of Cena with the relative anonymity of the trademark, and the hook reflects this. This was the one where I was like, "Oh, this is like he's just doing Lloyd Banks right now in this hook." Because like, just another day in the life. Just another day in the life. Getting mobbed by fame. Man, nobody even knows why. I, I was like, "God damn, dude!" Like he owes Fifty Cent some royalties on this shit. <laughs> like. uh it would be amazing if you found out that like Red Man was the ghostwriter for this album. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll be very disappointed. Like, something, somebody crazy just took like a huge chunk of change to ghostwrite this album. The next song on Gorillas, El Manana. It's a Spanish mm-hmm. name. Damon Albarn has said it. He said that his daughter is going to Spanish school because he loves the culture and he wants her to speak Spanish and to live with Latin culture. So he's a bit of a he. He is like a stand for Latin culture and the 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 influence of Spanish on him has influenced this song. So this was like out of his uh, his daughter going to school, like two songs out of his daughter going to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like when a comedian just flying all over the country, so that all their materials like airline material. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what did you think of El Manana, which I assume means um, the banana in Spanish? <laughs> Doesn't that mean tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> or the morning? I think, uh, I think okay. it does. El I Manana, like, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, my Spanish is not as even that good. But uh, it's nice. Good little track. I get the Spanish vibe with the Spanish guitar in there. And again, though, I could... I could kind of skip it. I'll be honest. (laughs) It's a a nice track. It does its thing. Uh, You get the Latin vibe on it as well. I think just coming right behind Feel Good, it kind of gets lost in the sauce for me a bit. (laughs) Good Gucci Mane reference there. Yeah. (laughs) When I ain't had no money, I still had sauce. Mm -hmm. So if you don't got no sauce, then you're lost. Mm -hmm. But you can also get lost in the sauce. Yeah, I thought it was was a a, a fine little track. And particularly with Every Planet We Reach is Dead. Like these two were just kind of like, oh yeah, this is nice. Like I said, this second half of this album, this is when I really start liking it. These two songs, probably on the lower tier of the second half for me. Not that they're bad at all. Not spectacular, especially coming off that massive, massive single. This is the sort of first few hints. I mean, there's been earlier in the album, but the hints of the sort of theme of this album, which is a sort of almost post-apocalyptic or the world is ending type theme. Themes are much too difficult for John Cena to grasp with, so he just does songs. But this is the, the theme of... Damon Albarn initially came up with this uh, on a train ride with his family from Beijing to Mongolia, where the landscape is just like dead trees and like bombed out, depleted land. Um, and having been on that train ride, I can attest, yeah, it looks like shit. It looks like the surface of the moon. So he, he was saying like, this is what we're heading towards. This is what humanity is heading towards. It's this sort of music, um, this sort of landscape rather. And the music reflects that. So even a title like Every Planet We Reach Is Dead is sort of hinting towards a dead worlds and that sort of thing yeah i mean i get that from the song it's like it's kind of stressful especially at the end where it gets it gets kind of all over the place the drum hits or or the cymbal crashes and everything yeah it's a pretty chaotic song towards the end you you really get this idea that like oh man this is not gonna end well (laughs) and i think he was right (laughs) (laughs) yeah judging by this year um yeah i think uh i think it's uh prophetic so that's uh enjoy the rest of uh 2020 because it's over everybody so the melancholy sort of vibe continues in november has come i'm not crazy about the beat on this but i love mf doom he's i just think he's a wonderful rapper i thought the hook was is really great on this one some Mm. of the lines he has plug your trap or it's maximum exposure the beat's got family members asking him for closure i was Mm. like oh Doom. <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this? Uh, what do you think of November has come? I love MF Doom. I, Danger Doom, um, the Mouse in the Mask uh, album was I, I, around this time, I think, or maybe a year after this or uh, whatever it was. I, I listened to that album like nonstop. So I was very excited to hear MF Doom just show up all of a sudden. I had no idea his name wasn't in the track listing or anything. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, here it goes. Here we are. Uh, so yeah, any MF Doom thing, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, this uh, this track was dope. Yeah, it was good. I love the opening rap, uh, the laid back funk 
And um, yeah, I think for me, this is uh, probably the standout track. John Cena's album, we'll start clipping through it. You got Summer Flings featuring Rue DeBona, who was just like a backstage interviewer with the WWE at the time. So they're like, oh, shit, you can do the hook on it. Because um, she used to be in a girl group <laughs> called Boy Crazy. Uh, really? Yeah. And then after that, you have the song Keep Fronting, where Bumpy Knuckles returns. And I was like, man, wait a minute. This song kicks ass. Like, what's going on here? And then I just realized, oh, they just yeah. sampled Big L, who is a very famous rapper. Yeah. And Bump it, but Bumpy Knuckles has a great great verse here like a really great verse and then cena follows it up with an absolute hot garbage verse one of the worst verses we've heard on the podcast with lines like we rollin' like donald trump 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 with the bucks your bitch ass getting jump jump jumped because you suck <laughs> oh boy this was the kevin federline tier rapping i was hinting towards by the way kevin federline does have a pinfall victory over john cena it, it's, a, true. it's a long story, but um, <laughs> oh, you mean in real life? Oh, wow! In real, in real life, I think meant musically. Keep fronting. What do we think? I mean, you know, Bumpy Knuckles is doing his thing. That's fine. Just to go back to these, I mean, just these two songs, Summer Flings and Keep Front. When I saw the name Summer Flings, I was like, oh, this is going to be his like 21 questions song, his love song. This is the one big thing I'm missing from this album is the thug love song that everybody had. A ladies track. Yeah. Yeah. A track for the ladies where he slows it down. Because if he had done that, this would go from like trash to like you know, so bad it's good. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it would go to like another level of like, oh, this guy is almost doing like like a concept album in a weird way. It is a concept album because John Cena is not actually a rapper. I don't even know if he likes hip hop that much. He is playing a character called John Cena, the ra- the rapper wrestler, and he's committing to it by doing a concept album entirely in character, which is very impressive, honestly. It's like it's like an MF Doom thing. John Cena the man the actual human being, and I say that lightly because I think he is a cyborg, he cares about, like, two things. He cares about lifting weights and racing fast cars in real life. Everything else in his life is sort of ancillary to that, to the point where he proposed to his longtime girlfriend in a wrestling ring as part of the show at WrestleMania as a publicity stunt, like, in front of a crowd, just because he has no real emotions. He's just doing it for the job. I have been waiting so long to ask you this. Stephanie Nicole Garcia Colas, will you marry me? I think he is a cyborg. So this, as a concept album, is a very interesting prospect to look at. It it is weird because yeah, he is he is playing John Cena, Doctor of Thugonomics, on this album. And if you like get the two K games or something, and they're like John Cena curated the soundtrack, it's like mostly country <laughs> and it's all about it's like there's like one song about like working hard, and I'm like, God damn, John, can you just like chill about like hard work for like do you even have to like listen to songs about working hard it's a funny thing that you guys well uh bring that up with with cena that you're saying this is much more of a persona and this is a question i present to you guys because i've noticed because we did this album of course we did k fez who brought that up and he did a hip-hop album and i've noticed there seems to be a trend where people who will are uh, in the spotlight for something else, whether it be acting or reality TV. It's usually some kind of like kind of trashy or kind of form of entertainment. They always go and make a rap album to promote their brand, you know, or to diversify. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is with that? Like, why is it always a rap album? It's not necessarily like a country album because he, I I I like it's, it's always, they always lean to hip hop first. Because I think it's because, and I don't mean this in an negative way, but you don't need to be able to play an instrument to rap. And you don't need to be able to sing or be vocally trained to rap. You just, for most people, they think it's just saying words to a beat. Now, we know it's much more than that, mm. and that it actually takes talent. Yeah. Hence why you have Macho Man Randy Savage doing a rap album and, and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, but I think the idea is like, oh, I can say, I, I thought of some funny things that I wrote in my notes on my phone. I could be a rapper. Like, it's it's easy, right? And it's much, much more difficult than that. But they think it's easy. I think that's exactly it. They just go, all right, what do I need? A drum mixer, a couple beats, and uh, just myself. 
all right, cool. It really actually shows how little respect some people have for rap. Like he would never try to pick up a guitar and be a country artist, you know, like if Jeff Jarrett it, did it, a country album, I'd be all yeah, about that. Well, that's true. <laughs> and then he smashed a guitar on somebody's face <laughs> at the CMT awards when he collected his, uh, Oh, album of the year. <laughs> the funny thing about this is like, so John Cena puts out this rap album or whatever. And like, it's so di- divorced from him and it's so far from him that like, it would be, I was thinking about this today. It would be funny if he started getting canceled for the stuff on this album, <laughs> like all the weird stuff. He says, he's like, I just fucked your bitch on this album. And stuff. you're like, did you just refer to women as bitches in this? He's like, if, if he had to answer for this album, I know this now. is this is skipping ahead, but you have a song like "Running Game," and this is this is in my notes. It, I wrote "fuck off, John," um, because <laughs> one of the lyrics is, "She tried to swallow me whole. I brushed the back of her wig. She called my dick Frank White because it's notoriously big." Jeez. <sighs> All right. All right, that's fine. Uh, the next song, "Gorillas All Alone." Man, Roots Maneuver here, the rapper such a breath of fresh air because it's uk rap it sounds different to united states rap yeah so it just it's like a it shoot like a shock to your ears and you've got martina topley bird uh on the vocals here you might know her from some of tricky's work like hell is just around the corner Uh, wonderful vocals man all alone is a great track i i liked it a lot uh, i like the flow um i don't know a lot of british rappers but whenever i hear it in like a movie or something i actually kind of dig it just because it's uh it's like you said it's very different from like um american rapper and, and everything um yeah it was it's a breath of fresh air i like this uh, i like this track uh, a lot as well i will listen to some british rap like skepta or i was into tiny temper for a, for a long long time until <laughs> nice. well yeah then people told me like yo don't listen to him he's kind of like <laughs> the mc hammer <laughs> of like british rap uh, i do like their their flow and especially them being a uk band i would expect them to to have uh, a lot more uh brits on the album or even grime artists on the album yeah, um that would now that would have been sick. if they got like wiley or dizzy rascal on i'd be like yeah, yeah, yeah see they see i was thinking if they would have flipped it if they would have done kind of traditional hip-hop or grime in the beginning and then it kind of eased its way into experimental toward the end of the album i think maybe that would have been an easier transition for for myself but yeah the way they structured it i was just kind of like whatever but no no i thought this was a this was a dope trap yeah f- for sure for sure uh, we're gonna start clipping through this fucking song. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's, there's a there's an interim track, White Light. It's um very like aggressive, punky, very different again. But it's just a breather. It's just a like yeah. a breather track. Bad bad man, John Cena's "You Can't See Me." Bad bad man. This is the single I know. Like I actually know this song. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, they had like the video, and it was like he was in the A team for some reason yeah. in the video, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this was like the other. I think he might have come out to this song once or twice. Did he? Or uh, he might have performed it on on Raw or something. But it's it's not. It's as I say, it's not bad. But it's Bumpy Knuckles breaking his back trying to carry these. Like <laughs> this motherfucker is slipping a disc trying to carry the trademark and john cena uh the song is notable also uh for being one of the phrases that john cena's action figure says when you pull a string like that's attached to him he says i'm a bad bad man awesome it's a fine track and then bean town which is a little bit of a boston anthem which i'm not sure if that exists prior to this song it features esoteric who is an actually good rapper not in this song but he is a good rapper from the group uh zarface and it's just listing things from boston Larry Bird, <laughs> <laughs> you know Kevin McHale, a, a, a bridge in Boston, the Boston Tea Party, just listing facts yeah. about the Mark song. Mark Wahlberg, the Departed. This is three dudes from Boston reading a Wikipedia article about a city in America and then making a rap song about it. Yeah, and this is also track twelve, so you know he was just going. All right, what else? What else? What else? Uh, Boston, Boston. What about Boston? <laughs> Bean Town. Uh, great. Uh, is that what they call it? Be- bean yeah. Town? Why? Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I don't know. I, bean? No I don't know. I, I, I didn't grow up in Boston. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Bean Town. I, I. I really don't know. I just. So I. It's just one of those things that you've heard. Is Bean Town is Boston? Yeah. You don't even. You don't even question, question it anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> you just go, all right. Gorillas, you've got Dare, uh, another huge song, really dancey track. The myth of this song being that uh, Sean Ryder's accent was so strong that the song was originally called There and he couldn't pronounce There. So it sounded <laughs> like Dare. That's a myth, apparently. Sean Ryder, who had links to Blur back in the day, was always friends with Damon Albarn. He says, I was invited to do the Gorillas thing and tried to write something. I walked in and was just trying to get them to adjust the headphone levels. It's going up, it's going up, it's there, it's there, it's there. And Damon said, stop, stop. That actually sounds really good. Can you do, can you do that again? So they didn't even do the song they planned. They just did him. Saying that. And history was made and Dare came out. Yeah, this is kind of like played in the background of like, you know, ritzy shops you go to. Ritzy? But, really? Dare? Yeah. Like like if you went to like a, like a women's clothes store or something, they would play this in the background and like people would whisper in your ear like Zara <laughs> as you shop. A very trendy store. So, but yeah, this is uh, definitely now I'm reminded of how big this song was actually yeah yeah i like this song um i got like an 80s kind of disco track vibe to it but that i mean that was just me i, I mean i thought it was it was fun um and, and super impressive coming from a, a cartoon band from the uk <laughs> i'm always gonna <laughs> knock them for being a cartoon band i just i don't know it's just why, why, like let me ask you why doesn't the real band just come out why won't they release their birth certificates <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, but that's the thing. He just felt like, oh, I'm just some like white British guy from a Britpop band that did like you know, sort of feel good Britpop songs. No one's going to yeah. accept me as a hip hop artist, and it's uh, kind of funny. And also, he has a friend that's an animator, Jamie Hewlett. So okay, it becomes well, a you know, I think we should we should Judd, you and I should do that. We should have someone design um, cartoon versions of ourselves um, as, as from now on as representatives for this. Podcast. Hell yeah! So, if anyone's listening. And there's this song, it's like a spoken word thing by Dennis Hopper. Fire coming out of a monkey said, for some reason, I remember listening to this at night as a teenager. And I was like a, a grown-ass teenager at this point, and it still scared me. It was still a little bit creepy <laughs> for some reason. It always, I, I always skipped it because I thought it was kind of creepy. Um, what do you think of this Dennis Hopper spoken word bit? Uh, disturbing. Very disturbing. It is, right? It is, it is a little... <laughs> yeah. And because it's like distorted, and Dennis Hopper's just got a creepy-ass voice too. So it's just, it's a creepy song. Yeah, if you're going to have anybody say some weird stuff, it's going to be Dennis Hopper. Like he, uh, him in Apocalypse Now and him in um, Blue Velvet is like just the craziest, yeah. craziest performance of all time. He'll throw you in a corner and he'll say, do you know that if is the middle word in life? If you can keep your head when all about you're losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. I mean, I'm no, I, I can't, I'm a little man. I'm a little man. He's, he's a great man. Uh, yeah. And you, and you know what the uh, uh, funny thing about is Dennis Hopper didn't even know they were recording. He was just talking. He's <laughs> <laughs> nice. ordering lunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I please have one fire coming out of a monkey's head? <laughs> all, right, all right. And uh, so we got to This Is How We Roll. And... I will say this is one of the laziest songs I've ever heard for the show. And I was actually pretty viscerally and physically angry because all my roommates <laughs> were having drinks last night and I had to leave them to go to my room by myself and listen to this piece of shit album. I was <laughs> quite angry listening to this song. So it's like, it got to this point and I'm like, this is, fu- I hate doing this. I fucking hate it. I want to go home. Th- this, I hated this song. This was the breaking point for me. To me, yeah, this is another G-Unit knockoff. And it really was at this point where I uh, like I looked at my um, Spotify and was like, how many more tracks are this? Like, how much longer is this album? And that's when I was like, why is he doing 17 songs? Just do 10. Like, it's a gimmick rap album. You know, it's just to promote his rapper gimmick. You don't need to do 17. That That means he got to 12 and was like, man, we got a lot. Like, let's uh, let's keep going, man. This is going to be good. Like, at some point, he thought he was making the White Album. There's rap. another four fucking songs on this album. <laughs> uh, did you, honestly, did you guys have anything for, like, What Now, Know the Rep, Chain Gang is the Click, or If It All Ended Tomorrow? Because I don't. I have nothing for these songs. 13 to 16 are all interchangeable, random. It's just all G-Unit. Yeah, he also put all the shit songs, shit, sorry, shitter songs towards the back. (laughs) Because even these songs don't compare to the songs I like, like Keep Frontin' or um, Bad Bad Man. These songs are just like way down the pecking order. I do want to say something about the very last song, though, if it all ended tomorrow, because I do have thoughts on that. If you listen to the lyrics of that song, he's talking about how he was sitting at home 
and some dude came to his house and put a gun in his face. Yeah, yeah, he died. It, it's like he, he, this guy thought that he slept with his wife or something. It's like it's like a little bit of a story rap. And I'm like, did this did this actually happen? I was like, John, this didn't happen to you. Stop it. Like, th- this was the most insulting track of all of them. It was like him and his gangster persona telling the story about how he fucked some dude's uh, wife. And then the dude came to go kill him, but he couldn't do it. I was like, stop putting yourself over, even in this, <laughs> big, even in this like socially conscious trying to be rap. Like he still has to like, yeah, but I fucked his girl and he ha- he was too pussy to shoot me. It's like, dude, fucking relax, John. By the time it gets to We Didn't Want You to Know, like I was saying, it turns to a 50 Cent album. And and Chris was right. It's really interchangeable. Like it's 50 Cent all the way through with like the whether it's him with like the low song harmonizing of the hook, you know, because we don't want you to know, oh, whatever it is, there's imitation Dr. Dre beats for the rest of the album. Yeah, it's just and it's it becomes apparent like they just they ran out of ideas and they were just like 50 Cent was massive two years ago, uh, two years prior in 2003 with um, uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. And he was like, let's just let's just do that. And Gorillaz finished things off with Don't Get Lost in Heaven, Damon doing his best Brian Wilson impression from the Beach Boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that too. I really like the harmonies on this though. Yeah, it's really nice. I actually got almost got like a uh, TV on the radio vibe from it. I thought you were going to say I almost got an erection, but yeah, that's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> when don't I have one? <laughs> it's actually a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop laughing. That does it for the track by track. Let's take it to the breakdown. Christian, I want to pose to you a question. Both of these albums were inexplicably successful, especially for the John Cena one. Um, but, you know, both went platinum. Why were both these albums successful in their own ways? Well, with Demon Days, I think it's the follow-up to Grills, which the first album and, um, I mean, Feel Good Inc. And now that I remember it, Dare, they were big hits. And they're very catchy. Those two those two tracks were, were big enough, especially Feel Good Inc., in my opinion, were big enough to like get people to buy albums back when people actually bought albums. I think there's an anticipation given the fact that the, I don't know how successful the first one is, but I do remember it being a big deal when this album came out. I mean, Feel Good Inc. was everywhere. So it's, to me, I'm not that surprised when you told me those numbers. As far as John Cena, it's like you said, uh, wrestling fans will buy kind of anything, man. It's fine. I, I hope John Cena has saved that money. Uh, I hope the trademark is still getting royalties off his theme song every time it gets played on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. I want everybody to be happy and, you know, just... Uh, yeah, so I would say the same thing. Demon Days, these albums came out one day apart, which is crazy because one of wow. them sounds so of its time and one of them sounds, I think, timeless. I, I really enjoyed Demon Days. I could listen to it again and again. But so endemic of 2005, you know, I'm sure that Damon Albarn could have done a, a G-Unit album if he wanted to. He just chose not to. Uh, and there's a reason why why these albums sold differently. I know that John Cena is a very wealthy man and this rap album meant nothing to him. So that's fine. I hope the trademark is OK, because I know a lot of retail workers around America are out of work at the moment. And a lot of <laughs> you know, a lot of Targets, a lot of Kmarts, and Walmarts are closing. Yeah. So I hope he he's OK, because uh, I assume he'd be, you know, assistant manager at one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty clear to me that why these two just the, the gulf of talent is unbelievable. And Damon Albarn, he knows well enough that he can't rap. So he's just going to enlist some very good rappers to help him out. Whereas John Cena and the trademark haven't quite got that memo yet. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a follow up to a very popular album. They're very unique in their presentation. They don't sound like anyone else, you know. Even though they have a unifying sound, like it, it, like each new single or um, that they put out or any radio song isn't exactly the same as before. Um, so I think those are all contributing factors to their popularity and maybe a little bit of the mystique behind the person behind the music. So, and, and then with John Cena, he <laughs> sold records because 
you know, John Cena is just the, the voice of the streets right now. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> he's a real fuck poet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it also helps that he has a two hour at the time commercial twice a week. Yeah. Promoting his album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, with John Cena, it's just that it's just wrestling fans. He's already has a, a fan base there. I mean, I'll give him credit. The rapping isn't bad. He's not like offbeat. And I'll give him credit for being a little bit edgy too, because I didn't expect him to be cursing and saying fuck and all these things. Um, I would I was expecting it to be a pretty like super super clean rap album. Like we like we did Vanilla Ice on this episode, and that was super clean because he's trying to um, reach out to a mainstream general audience. This John Cena album isn't as bad as Playing with Fire by K Fed. Um, but it isn't great either. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a that's a massive reason why it sold. It's like he's a property. Vince McMahon pushed them, pushed the album to sell, and um, I, I, yeah, I think that I think that's basically it. We're gonna wrap things up, but we always like to choose one song from each album that you either really liked or you think embodies the album. Christian, what's a song from each <laughs> album you liked? Well, I mean, I'm just gonna go with Feel Good Inc. for Demon Days, just because it's like everybody knows it. It's so. It's so ubiquitous and it's it's a great single for the album. It's a great um, symbol for the album. I don't know if it necessarily encapsulates everything about the album, but it does encapsulate everything good about the album. As far as the time is now, I kind of want to go with the time is now, but really it's like it's probably it's just another day because this that's what this album was about for john cena just another day <laughs> making a couple bucks. I'll just fucking go in this recording studio and bang this out. And uh, then destroy the Nexus. We're choosing tracks. I'll do with, with uh, Gorillaz's uh, Demon Days. I'll do Demon Days. I, I just really like that song. Um, I enjoyed the choir and, and the in the music. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not one of the massive singles. So I, I assume most people haven't heard it. But I, I, I just thought it was a good song to, to point out. Um, with John Cena's album, You Can't See Me. Ooh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna choose. We didn't want you to know, because for me that was the epitome of this um, Fifty Cent thing that he's got going on. He's doing a Fifty Cent imitation, want to be Dr. Dre beat. So I think uh, I'm, I'll choose that. One thing, uh, one other thing I want to say with with John Cena, I'll give him credit because I was thinking about if another wrestler put out an album like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan would definitely, if he had a rap album, he would definitely be dropping a lot of n bombs. And we're, the- yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. He's like, "Are we recording yet, brother?" Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. So I'll give him, I'll give John Cena for not uh, crossing that line. Yeah, for my two tracks on "You Can't See Me," the John Cena slash Mark the Trademark Predka album. I really like Keep Fronting, because Bumpy Knuckles, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders like Atlas, is carrying these two young men to a, a passable song. Um, and, and the Big L sample is really nice. And for Gorillas, I really like Dirty Harry. I think Booty Brown's verse is killer, still killer. San Fernandez Youth Choir does a fantastic job. Check out that song. It's quite popular as well. Before we wrap things up, Christian, we know you're maybe not doing as much live comedy as you would like to be doing at the moment, but is there anything you'd like to plug or tell us about from, you know, the Big Apple? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Christian Duran SVP. Uh, go to ChristianDuranComedy.com. Uh, right there at the front of the webpage, you'll see a link to my album, King Latifah. Um, you can stream it wherever you stream your stuff, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, wherever you get your music, you can listen to it. So do that. And I have a podcast called Oh Dear that I do with a couple of my hilarious comedian friends. Uh, every week we go on and we talk about things that would make your mother clutch her pearls and say, oh dear. So uh, check that out. Awesome, man. Uh, Pedro, that's it for another week. I'll see you next week, brother. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Brother, Peace. brother, brother. Bye. Bye.